This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. American Ballpark. It's the Better Off Red Podcast. Here's your host, Jamie Ramsey. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Better Off Red Podcast. Today's episode is our third from Reds Fest 2015, and it features guests John Lamb and Kyle Waldrop, Corky Miller and Demetri Young, and a very entertaining segment from Doug Flynn and Tucker Barnhart. Before we get into that, I'd like to take this time to congratulate Ken Griffey Jr. for being selected for induction into the National Baseball Hall of Fame. Jr. was and continues to be a baseball icon in Cincinnati and around the world for that matter, and his legacy as one of the game's legendary superstars will surely live on forever. I wrote a brief blog entry about what I consider to be Griffey's best attribute— if you get a chance, give it a look over at the Better Off Red blog. Last time here on the Better Off Red podcast, we featured music from one of my pals, Caroline Rose. This week, I'm going to introduce you to another friend of mine, Ramsey Midwood. Ramsey, whose first name I find quite favorable, is a singer-songwriter based in Austin, Texas. He's been described as earthy, gritty, rugged, and soulful. I describe him as pretty darn good. Back in 2000, he released one of the best albums I've ever put ears on. It's called Shootout at the OK Chinese Restaurant. And today's podcast will feature music from that outstanding LP, including this song called Feed My Monkey. Feed my monkey and raise my rib. Lord have mercy, she was heaven since she had a wiggle and a giggle, tickling her tongue. And when she come around, all I did was go Well, her beauty paralyzed my charm So I gave it all up, went to work on a farm Well, raised my tips, raised my coat Dream about the babies and the more I'm especially excited about this episode of the Better Off Red podcast because it features some of the best people I've ever met in the game. I often tell people who ask me what it's like to be around players and broadcasters that the novelty of it wears off pretty quickly and you begin seeing the people who entertain you on TV as just regular everyday folks, not unlike the way most folks see their own co-workers. There are some you like, some you might not like. The guys on today's podcast are 100% likable. First up is John Lamb and Kyle Waldrop. John is one of the most interesting and introspective dudes I've met, and you'll get a glimpse of that in a second. He's very down-to-earth and incredibly easy to root for. I got to know Kyle a little bit at last spring, and his personality is as sweet as a swing. Both of these guys made their Major League debuts last year with the Reds, and here's hoping they have a long and successful career in Cincinnati. This is John Lamb and Kyle Waldrop. What's up, guys? How's it going? Good. Oh, wow. 
Doing well. How are you? John, this is your first Reds Fest. What do you think of this, man? It's awesome. Uh, there's a lot of people here, a lot of fans, <laughs> a lot of support. Yeah, I, we, had, we had Cody Reed up here earlier. Um, he said they don't have anything like this in Kansas City, which surprises me. They might have to now that yeah. with their recent success. I was a part of one fan fest, fest, festivals, festivity or whatnot, and it was similar, but nowhere, I wouldn't say nowhere along this lines. Not to compare, you know, apple to orange, but yeah. we're the Reds, so. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Kyle, this is your second one. Um, now you know what to expect. This has got to be exciting for both of you guys, right? Oh, yeah. No, it's really exciting. Just, you know, all the fans showing their support, you know, uh, getting to meet everybody and, and, just, and just seeing everybody from Red's country. It's, it's, uh, it's awesome. Yeah, and uh, we have Kyle Waldrop and John Lamb here. Kyle, in 2015, participated in the Southern League's All-Star Game and the Home Run Derby and the Futures Game at Great American Ballpark. He was in 2014, he was the Reds minor league hitter of the year. And uh, last year, you spent most of the season in the minor leagues, but you made your major league debut. How, how, was, how great was that? You know, you, you can't even really describe it. It was just an unbelievable, you know, experience just being up there. You know, even though if it, it was only for four days, but just, um, you know, I learned so much and, and took so much from it. It, it was just, uh, like I said, just unbelievable. Just getting that call up, you know, you know, I put in a lot of hard, hard work to get to that point, and, um, you know, it, it paid off. And, John, you also made your Major League debut last season. You were part of that, that group of rookie pitchers that, you know, pretty much started every day after the All-Star break, and uh, that had to be exciting for you. And we've talked before. We had a nice conversation late in the season. Uh, give us an idea of uh, your thoughts on coming over to Cincinnati and, and what, what, how you're adjusting and what your uh, expectations are going into the 2016 season. Um. I was just grateful for this opportunity. Um, coming over here felt, not, not to say felt wanted, but when you're a part of a trade, which I had never been up until this point, um, you didn't know what to expect. So for me, I had to, in a way, learn to kind of practice what I would preach when it comes to being uncomfortable or stepping out of your comfort zone. and. Being around a new group of guys and, and having to show them or try to show them who I am um, as well as get to know them while not forgetting the, the ultimate goal of when I was traded, I was assigned to, to Louisville and the ultimate goal for every you know, Louisville, ball or Louisville bat was to get to the, the major leagues or get back to the major leagues for the guys that were there. And regardless of, you know, not to say my own personal wants or hopes in this game that's where at the end of the day I was just grateful to be in a place that had or has opportunity more so than what it had felt with Kansas City so that being said that I don't want to or I didn't want to look too much into that I just wanted to take advantage of this opportunity and who knows how long it'll you know be here so it was going into Louisville with a uh, open mind and just go out there and play ball play the same game that we always have played at every other level uh, since growing up from Little League days. So getting to the big leagues and getting that call up was, as, as you know, Wally would say, it's just a, in my eyes at least, or how I felt, it was a burden off my back. Yeah. Um, a sense of a, an accomp certain a sense of accomplishment, but at the same time, it was uh, an open, an awareness of now what. Because... Right. Um, 
I heard a lot, at least being a part of the Royals organization, that it was easy to get to the major leagues, and it wasn't so easy for me. Yeah. And then you, you hear the hard parts staying, and it was just the dream came true. I got there. Now it was the humbling side of going out there every fifth day, which I was fortunate to be a part of, as you mentioned, the rookie staff that we had. And it doesn't change the fact that you're, you're evaluated by what you do, you know, in between the lines, not what you talk about or, you know, how a bullpen goes or anything like that. So for me, it's getting outs at the major league level and I'm just hopeful to do so and happy to be a part of this organization and hope to bring some W's back to uh, to town because I know that's what uh, everybody's hoping been a part it. of and yeah. hoping for. Yeah. So, Kyle, did you do you feel the same way about finally making it to the major leagues? Not that it was a long, too long of a journey for you. You uh, is it is it kind of like like John said? Is it the burden is lifted now? No, definitely. You know when when you you know especially me signing out of high school. You, you know odds are really stacked against you, you know, if you look at numbers or whatever. But, um, um, yeah, you know, when you sign that contract, you just – you only dream. In reality of it is a lot of guys aren't even going to, you know, sniff the, the clubhouse, not even, you know. So just, just climb, you know, I did every level, you know, rookie ball, you, you name it, all the way up. And, um, you know, it, it was a sense of relief. You know, I, I put in a lot, a lot of hard work, you know, a, you know, a lot of sweat and tears, you know, just – you know, it's it's a grind. It really is. You know, climbing through the minor leagues, it's tough. But you know, it was. It was a sense of relief. You know, like hey, you know, I got there. You know, no matter no matter what, I stepped in that big league box, and you know, I swung at some pitches. But you know, <laughs> it was it was awesome. It was a really really great experience. John, Kyle, and I were talking before you you arrived, and we were talking about some of the young pitchers that we've acquired, yourself included. Do you feel like you're part of being something special now with this organization, with this? this crop of young pitchers that are coming up through the organization I do I mean I don't I don't want to reword that and say a part of we're going to be a part of something special because it's we're all in the making like it's a progress you got to walk before you can run and and that's the side that coming into this organization and and wanting to not only get to the highest level after getting there it was you know, getting the opportunity every fifth day and, and almost struggling to find find the balance of just staying in the moment and believing in yourself and not looking over your shoulder and waiting for a, you know, you're going back down type of a, a reality. Because um, at the end of the day, I think the, the hard part is, is, for me at least, was getting there and just not knowing what are we a part of and that's where as a unit I think we're learning to identify ourselves better collectively and that's a sign of youth and maturity so it's growth and at the end of the day that's where I don't need to or mean to beat the dead horse but I'm just so happy to be a part of what looks and hopes to be a bright future in this organization so it's uh it's been as uh, you know, as Wally would bring up. It's been a grind, a journey. Um, takes a village to raise, you know, each of us. And I'm just so happy to be able to be up here and experience this right now. So yeah, absolutely. Now, you know, it, it's the the hard facts are this team lost 98 games last year um, with the young players, your, both of yourselves included. How much of last year was a learning experience for not only you guys but for the team? Um, personally speaking, it was coming into the organization hopes of getting to that 
highest level got there than being a part of what would be perceived and what was a failure endured season um, that came with a sense of urgency and a need to do something in a way if if I have any hope or if I can see myself in the future I, I have to I have to uh, perform simply put and that's the side that whether the the game is not as difficult at the highest level or mentally it gets more challenging because you're playing in front of a bunch of people you're on tv you know i don't know what it may be but for me um once i believe we as a unit don't look back and define ourselves based off of that past reflection and just truck forward and continue to realize that you know, however long this opportunity will be here as our individual selves, we just, I would hope for us all to be grateful. And I think when we get on the same page, and not that when I came in we weren't on the same page, but I think it's really difficult to be working together when you're failing. And it really is a test of not where necessarily the individual is, but where that team is. Yeah. And we were definitely, um, we were bummed out as a unit yeah. and what I mean by bummed out is we felt within ourselves I wouldn't say like we're letting leave we're letting down a city but at the same time it's like everybody takes a field to perform well and and win a ball game but when you're a part of a losing season as after a season you reflect back and see how many losses you endure that's the side that nobody wants to partake in that again so when it comes to growth I feel like you got to get it wrong to get it right in a sense and not necessarily does it mean we have to go out and lose 98 games or how this past season went but moving forward i'm not personally when i'm a part of this club or in the clubhouse i'm not gonna look back or reflect much when it comes to moving forward i'll just take the past as the past and as any player would you try to learn from it and just get better. So right now, you, I, I would say where I'm at is putting the trust and this would be weird, but in the, the front office in a way and me doing my end of just putting in the work as we always have and hoping that when the season comes, we're healthy as a unit, all of us, and we can go out there and compete and let everything take care of itself. So it's, I don't know, it's really sounds so cliche or whatnot yeah. but it's just it's reality right you just right. embrace it how about you kyle how important was it for i mean you know just you're an important part of this club as well how important is it to you know just be done with 2015 and to move on to 2016 and just get this team on the right track yeah you know that's that's the beautiful thing about baseball in a way is you know there's always going to be tomorrow so you can't you can't look in the past you know a lot of guys were obviously you know myself included very frustrated with with the way 2015 ended and and um but that, that just feels you you know uh you know for everyone i know everyone's working hard in the off season everyone wants to win no one no one likes losing that, that's for sure so you know i think we got a really good group of guys you know like you know, John, like you said, all the rookie pitchers, you know, they got their feet wet. You know, I, I got my feet wet a little bit. So, and, you know, like they said, they came out kind of doing a rebuilding phase and they're going to look to younger guys to step up. And I think we're all ready to take that challenge. Um, so, so uh, you know, it's great. Like I said, you know, um, 
we're all going to be working very, very hard in the offseason, you know, take this into spring training and, and go from there and, and forget about 2015 as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, let's talk a little bit about both of your off-seasons. Um, John, what, what do you, how does your uh, regiment stack up? What's your schedule like in uh, this time of the season? Um, I mean, I could run you through a quick day, Monday through Friday. I'm waking up, or it had been, I'm waking up around 7.30 in the morning, and I'll eat some breakfast. I'm at the field in spring tra- the spring training complex. Um, so you're out at Goodyear? I'm in Goodyear. Okay. I'm, I'm living in a, a house in Waddell and I just go through my you know my my preseason workout or preparation for my just taking care of my overall head to toe health as much as I feel like I have control over that so I get you, done with that after you know depending on the day or the workload a three to five hour day believe that or not it's very that's the thing with at least my side. I don't know if when you get to Wally, it's more of a. It, it's it's the little things, really. It's like the 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 fundamentals that you were taught on a little league field that you just, for me at least, that's what I have to continue to do. And I know everybody's different, but that's when, around one or two in the afternoon, I go back to the house and I try to just embrace the time with the the friends that are over at the house or my girlfriend or whatnot, and just take in the time and prepare for what's hoping to be a, a you know a bright 2016 and I hope to be a part of it so is there anyone out there in Goodyear that you're working out with or are you are you kind of solo or uh, I wouldn't say I'm solo um, there was there was a group of, of minor league rehab guys I was working with um, Brad and Patrick uh, I, I wouldn't know not to say I don't know their titles but just the the coordinators down in um, Phoenix working with the trainers. When it comes to players, I've worked, you know, not worked out directly with Skipworth, but been around him and just trying to, you know, not trying, but put myself in a position to be around the Reds clubhouse and environments to get to know them, and I'm hoping to be around. So that's where I'm at. How about you, Kyle? What's your off-season regiment like? Um, you know, I – I kind of have a pretty good routine, you know, I, I work out at 10 every morning, you know, you know, hour, hour and a half, um, and then from there, you know, go eat lunch, and then after lunch, I go hit, which I'm starting to pick up now, normally, I would just, you know, September, uh, October, November, I was just working out, now I'm starting to hit, um, so, you know, I do a lot of my hitting, I'll, like I said, I'll go up, see Ryan Jackson, our minor league hitting coordinator in Sarasota, I'll hit with him two days a week. And if I'm not there, you, you probably find me at my high school, you yeah. know, help coaching out a little bit. You know, they let me hit on the field, you know, throw, do all my stuff. It's, it's you know, I'm down in Fort Myers, Florida, so the weather's always nice. So it's just nice to be out on the field all the time. And and uh, so, so that's pretty much, you know, I'm pretty low key. It's pretty much what I do. Very good. Now, John, we talked in during the season about you returning to your hometown and uh, helping out some kids, teaching them the game. Uh, you know, catch me up. Did you get a chance to see those kids that you were talking about? That's that particular group. I have not yet. Um, when I go back for Christmas, uh, yeah. I plan to reach out with that coach and get spend some time with them. Those are your um, guys, right? Those are my guys. <laughs> yeah. Those those really helped me. They, those kids and that group of just 
boys, as you will, uh, I will say, help me kind of find myself again and, and get back to the the childlike game and play that stop worrying about others' opinions of you and how you play and, and or how it looks while you play and just get the job done. And for me, that's really just trusting and believing in yourself. And I haven't had a chance to be around those particular kids, but I had one camp that I had the opportunity to do up in somewhat northern California in Oakland. And it was a large group of kids, 48 kids, kind of a throwing or pitching camp. And stepped out of my comfort zone, for sure, working with that many people. But a blast, again, just reinforcements for the the the, the simple one-on-ones that you have to do, the fundamentals. And just so grateful to be a part of it and have that uh, ability to have an impact. So yeah. it's it's pretty fun. That's awesome. Now, you know, a question for both of you guys. Since you both kind of major, major both of you guys major, major league debuts last season, you know, we're all fans, right? I mean, we're all fans of baseball, so it's got to be kind of neat. We, Kyle and I talked about your first baseball card. John, question for you. Do you remember your first baseball card? Have you had a major league card yet? And, and when you came up here, did you seek out, like, was it cool just to be around like guys like Joey Votto and Brandon Phillips and the fan in you, did, did, that, did that come out? I wouldn't say that the fan in me didn't come out. It was more of just I didn't want to be too much of the kid in the candy store. <laughs> exactly. I mean, yeah. it was it was just a moment in time where I'd been waiting for my entire life, and a lot of people have worked hard to help me get there. I've worked hard, and the last thing I wanted to do was you know be starstruck or deer in the headlight type sure. mentality. So I almost I almost went about it like it was another day for me, and I. Like you'd the, been there before. Yeah, like I'd been there before. Then as time, you know, as I was around for not that long, but, I, you know, day by day as it built on me, that's when it really started to just, I realized, you know, where I was. And it, it's a sense of, it's humbling. It's, you're, you feel honored. You're, but then it also comes with that side of you got you to gotta do what you got to do between the lines to stay there and that fear of losing the opportunity is very much there so it's just the balance mentally of sure sure what about your first baseball card i haven't seen a reds baseball card no you haven't no um i i don't think i does if anybody have has it out one, there anybody have the john lamb reds don't card i think there is one yet i <laughs> hope there is one to yeah, come, i'm sure but. there is yeah. kyle how about you do you remember your first baseball i mean obviously we talked about it do you remember what brand is it? What is, what's it look like? It was a Topps AZL Reds uh, baseball card. You know, I was in my Reds uniform, and it's kind of awkward looking because I'm trying to like catch a fly ball <laughs> like this. It, it's pretty cool though. I definitely, definitely remember. I don't even know how I got it. I think I got it sent to me, and I was like, wow, you know, people, you know, and then he started getting fan mail and like you yeah. know, people want my autograph, yeah. and it was just it, it was really it was really really cool. You know, especially coming from high school straight to you know professional baseball. Then you got baseball cards, and then you know, playing in Billings and, you know, you name it. So, yeah, it was definitely, I definitely remember my first baseball card. Are you guys starting to get recognized more? Like, even when you're out at dinner with your, you know, your your family or your friends, is it is it to the point where people are coming up to you and, hey, that's John Lamb or that's Kyle Waldrop? <laughs> or has it has it been that way for a while and I'm just going to? No, I mean, it's, no. 
I've noticed it a little bit more. Like like I said, you know, I've been stopped uh, a couple times walking in the streets, you know, yesterday and, and uh, today going to lunch. But, yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's different. You know, people are starting to recognize you, and, and you're starting to realize that, you know, you kind of do have a face here in Cincinnati. It's, it's kind of cool. How about you, John? Um, since being here, there's been a couple people that have recognized me, but my you're first... You're an easily recognizable guy, I think. I'm starting to realize... <laughs> Looking in the mirror with the long hair, the whatever facial hair I'm working with here, I don't, it's pretty easy to picture me walking down the street, apparently, and I'm, I don't know if that's good or bad, but I'm running with it, and uh, the black eyes, what I feel like really helped me. Uh, Can you uh, talk a little a bit about the black, how you got that black eye? Uh, Do you guys remember John Lamb when he had the black eye when he first came up? That was just poor bunning ability, <laughs> poor angles with the bat. And the, I, th I think the unfortunate thing was that it was caught on camera and it made the uh, rounds on Twitter. I think. Yeah. <laughs> I think I saw it on Sports Center. Sports Center. Kyle sports says he saw it on Sports yeah. Center. I might not live that one down. <laughs> but if whatever, you know, I'm just happy to be here. And if that, <laughs> if that helps embrace me a little bit more by yeah. knowing who I am, then I'm all for it. it well, was, yeah, you're a very likable guy, and I think you're going to be a big fan favorite and your time here and let's talk a little bit about I love talking to pitchers about hitting especially guys that came over from the American League how different was it for you how foreign was it or were you was it something that you embraced or was it something that you just really didn't care to be a part of no I really embraced it I wanted it really bad I wanted to get my first knock I wanted I thought for sure I was a hitter until I stepped <laughs> in the box and realized what's being thrown at you yeah and i'd have to go back to the video room but i swear i saw 90 percent sliders and that <laughs> might be my first problem is pitch recognition so i don't know they're already you can't scared see of you it, you're probably not gonna be able to hit it yeah <laughs> I, I the last time i hit was high school and i loved yeah. it but i just gotta i gotta work on it like anything else so yeah kyle do you uh do pitchers approach you and say hey look man i need some help can you give me some pointers? Uh, not really. I mean, there is small talk within the locker room. Like, hey, like, what would you be looking for here? Yeah. You know, hey, can you step into my bullpen? You know, do you see, like, a dot on my slider? You know, little things like that. You know, we all talk, and especially as hitters, like, about the pitchers. You know, hey, what are they doing? Um, how are they pitching you? Stuff like that. And definitely pitchers definitely want to get feedback, too. And, like, hey, like, yeah. what do you see? And, I'm I'm not the best at it, but there are some older veteran guys that can that can pick up on pitchers that tip their pitches. You know, their their glove might be a little bit different. Like, hey, that's when he throws a slider. So like those older guys will tell you know our pitchers, hey, I, th I think you're tipping your pitches a little bit. You know, I think that's why they're picking up on it. So there's definitely interaction between hitters and pitchers about what they're doing. And on the flip side too, do you do, do the do you go to the pitchers like to ask them like, hey, look. What, what what are you going to throw in this situation just so you're you're prepared when that count comes up when you're at the plate yo yeah definitely like like hey like because you kind of pick up you know especially talking to left-handed pitchers like hey like when would you throw this you know how would you approach me because pretty much the scouting part is what it is a lot of guys are going to pitch to that they're going to pitch it the same way so a lot of pitchers have the tendencies to pitch the same way to certain guys so you definitely want to want to ask how, how what they see in your swing and stuff like that and John, do you do you get the same thing? Do you talk to hitters, and do 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 hitters talk to you about some of the things that maybe that they see that you're doing that 
hey, look, you might be tipping a pitch or, you know, I wouldn't throw that here. Is, is there interaction between you and the hitters? Yeah, nothing, nothing direct or specific. Um, I think that's just part of, I don't want to say being a teammate, but part yeah. of being on a team. Sure. And yeah, uh, you'll, you're going to interact um, in, in any way to find, you know, a way to get better. And I've definitely found myself talking to hitters, um, not so much about how to swing a bat, but um, generally more of the mental side of approach. And that's the stuff that it's, it's literally you just learn and you start to get into that chess game that I feel like it is at, at the higher levels. It's, it's not really a physical how good you are. It's more of how well you are at executing. So that's where I reference chest or yeah. chess, chest. Right. <laughs> now, uh, John, we had a great conversation late, late last year. I think you remember that, right? We spoke for 25 minutes or so. One of the questions I asked you then, and not to get too deep, I asked you a question that kind of uh, brought you pause. I asked you what you want. And it was a pretty simple question, depending on how you look at it, but have you thought any more about that? Like, what does John Lamb want? Yeah, Whether been, it be success or... <laughs> I've been pondering that this whole offseason. <laughs> um, I've got, fortunately, not to say a lot of time. I can make, just like I feel like anybody for the most part, make make what you want out of your time. And that's where, for me, I'm, I just feel so fortunate and blessed in a way, grateful to be at this level and doing what I do. And doing something I love to do. And that's where when you ask me what I want, there's there's that was when when you asked me that it was hard to answer and still is because I got to a point in my life where my dream came true. And that's the real not to say question of why am I here or what am I doing here, but that's the look within and I've been doing nothing but pondering that question, Jamie and I hope to have that answer here for you and or whomever else may want to listen to I'm gonna, it. But, I'm going to keep asking it every time uh, I see you. <laughs> I, I hope that I have more and more to share. But right now I'm, I'm, I'm in a process that's just trying to calm down all the different thoughts that are going on in my own mind of being at the stage I'm at within my own, my own personal career as well as just off-field stuff that everybody has their own issues in life. So it's just... Uh, when I have a better idea of what I want, I, I think I'll, I'll have a better idea of how to get there. So that's the side of, I don't know, it's a weird, <laughs> a weird little uh, question that you just put on me, but I'm looking forward to finding this answer. Okay, good. Now, Kyle, do you have any expectations for the 2016 season? Uh, you know, the same as always, just continue to get better um, in, in every aspect of the game. You know, obviously there, there are some opportunities in the outfield, and, and I've definitely, you know, I'm going to go into spring training, you know, work really, really hard, show that I can, you know, play at the big league level. And, you know, my expectations is, is, is simple, you know, just get better. Um, you know, I, I want to stay in the big leagues. You know, I got a little taste of it. Obviously, yep. I, I would love to get back. So I'm, I'm working really, really hard towards that and just, you know, just being a, a overall just, just better baseball player. Very good. Well, hey, I appreciate you guys coming by to chat. It's always a pleasure to talk to you guys. You guys are two of my favorites, and, uh, you know, I make no secret about that. So I'm very pleased that you got to come over and chat, and I hope nothing but the best for you guys in 2016. Up next on this special Reds Fest edition of the BOR podcast are two Reds legends, 
Corky Miller and Dimitri Young. You've heard Dimitri on the show before, and I think so highly of him that I asked him back. He's paired up in this segment with a man who needs no introduction, the longtime celebrated catcher, Corky Miller. Hello, everybody. We are here with uh, Corky Miller here in the Reds Connect Zone. Corky is getting asked to sign a baseball card that isn't him. Kevin Mella or something. <laughs> Corky, how's it going, man? Good, man. How about yourself? I'm doing great. Um, you know, we've been doing the podcast for a little while now. We have, uh, we've had six guests, and every time, every day that uh, I get some messages about the podcast, they always want Corky Miller to appear on the podcast. So give us an update on what's going on with you, what you're doing these days, and how things are going for you. Well, you know, it's just life. Um, you know, I've done doing lessons in Chicago. I've, I, I laid some floor this weekend, uh, <laughs> but uh, real life baseball. Uh, you know, it's it was a it was a cool season for me. I spent a lot of time up in Dayton um, with with uh, a few real good catchers, and you know, roved around and, and saw our number one draft pick, and um, been everywhere from Daytona to Arizona to Billings and. Stuff. It was fun for me. I, I, I enjoyed it, and uh, I'm glad I got asked to come back out here. Are you? Uh, is this something that you're going to pursue and keep going after? I don't know if I had to pursue it too much. I think it was already uh, destined or predestined for me to do <laughs> stuff like this. So, um, you know, I'd, I, I, I'd like to get into managing. I'd like yeah. to get back to the big leagues at some point. Um, you know, just taking it a year, a year at a time, I, I – my main goal is getting the guys that we have uh, ready for the big club. And, um, you know, we got one goal, me and uh, Mike Stefanski, who's the major league catching guy. You know, we have one goal is that uh, get these guys ready to help in Cincinnati or, you know, use them to, to get some, some better players. And, um, you know, I, I could talk catching all day and I could talk pitching all day. So it's, it's pretty easy for me to get with these guys. Yeah, and you uh, you mentioned our number one draft pick, Tyler Stevenson. Um, give us an update on what you see in him. You know he's, uh, you know he's 17, 18 years yeah, old. Yeah, sure. Um, and, and he's just he's just a tall. I wouldn't say real skinny, but I mean he he's going to put some weight on this this off season. Um, you know he's just learning, mm-hmm. and it's you know he can hit. And, and that's the way it is. It's kind of opposite of how, you know, Devin was. Is he, he really struggled catching, but he, 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 uh, he ended up turning that around and, and look where he's at. So hopefully we can do that uh, with Tyler and, and get him on a good track to be ready to go in the next few years. So it sounds like what you're saying is he's kind of raw behind the plate. Yeah, yeah. He, 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 he's, he's got some, some uh, real good hands. In, in, in some positions where, you know, you don't see that with young guys, but then the other things are kind of more exploited. But, again, he's 18. He hasn't sure. seen 95 miles an hour yeah. or late sink. But when he's he's in this position, I mean, it, it looks like he's done it a long time. And we're just going to do it consistently and, and uh, let him keep hitting the way he's hitting. Now the Reds lost Brian Pena in the offseason to a free agency. Uh, ob- the obvious uh, – guy to step in and back up Devin Mezzarocco is Tucker Barnhart. Tucker Barnhart is considered one of the one of the finer defensive catchers in our in our system. Obviously, that's why he's up at the major league level. Uh, can you give us a little uh, scouting report on Tucker Barnhart and what you see in him that makes him so successful? Yeah, you know, T- Tucker's had to work hard um, just because of 
of his size and not necessarily because he's a smaller guy. It's what people have said about him and the size that he's had. So he's he's taken that kind of like I took it as like, well, you, you're non-drafted, you're, you're this guy, you're that guy, you want to prove people wrong. And so he's worked really hard at his defense and as well as his offense too. I mean, he's, he's going to go back, he's going to go behind the plate and he's going to uh, study and, and he's, he's put in his time and, and hopefully he can and continues to work and, and, and make sure that he's ready to go every, you know, I don't know, fourth, fifth, sixth day, yeah. you know, those twelve thirty-five games. Yeah. You know, and I, we're all hoping Devin comes, comes back to the, where he was before. And, you know, I talked to him earlier today and he says he feels great and he's, you know, he's going to be start working out here pretty soon and getting ready to go. So when you got a guy like that, that will be a test for Tucker um, uh, more mentally sure. than, than physically. But, um, you know, your hope Devin's playing, you know, 10 out of 12 or, you know, 14 out of 15. And, you know, I, I've, I've been fortunate enough or unfortunate. I don't know what you want to say. You know, <laughs> play behind guys like Brian McCann. You know, I played once every 16 days. Uh, play behind, you know, A.J. Brzezinski, same thing, maybe once a week. Against, you know, Clayton Kershaw's and <laughs> exactly. and and, and uh, Randy Johnson's guys like that, you know, when they're left-handed hitters, and and those are the guys you're going to have to face. Um, and and Devin uh, Tucker might have to do that with some some uh, righties that Devin has to face, sure. but um, you know that's going to be a test for him to be able to do that, and and uh, hopefully we can talk a little bit more. He spent a lot of time up in, in on a major league camp in spring, so I didn't get to spend too much time with him. But, you know, he, I think going into this year, he might be looking at me as more of a coach than as a player. I think we butted heads last year because he thought I still was taking his job, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that's a, that's a thing. One of the things we talk about Devin Mezzarocco, one of the things that we talk about as far as his injuries go, not just, you know, the, the hip, but he's also had some, uh, some concussion issues. And, you know, you've played this game a long time. And I'm sure, how has it changed as far as, like, you know, I'm sure you've had concussions that were undocumented that you probably didn't even know you had. Can you talk a little bit about how that area of the game has progressed and how the awareness of, of the, those specific head injuries are now addressed? Yeah. Uh, you know, it is it is a big deal. I mean, football obviously is is – brought that to the forefront and um obviously with the money that we're we're investing now on guys is you you don't want you don't want someone to be hurt for the rest of their life you know you know like with jason uh larue you know and his concussion i mean it's been tough for him you know i don't know the kind of concussions i had i know i got hit in the ear but 97 miles an hour and ruptured my eardrum and you know, there was like, hey, when can you play? You know, and, and that's the way it was. And, you know, even going to high school, I mean, I'm I'm sure I played football and I played it hard. So you, you never know. And yeah. and you, you just hope that at some point well, we've tried everything. Everybody's tried with a hockey mask and, and there's guys on either, either side of the fence. The hockey masks are great. I, I feel like they're not. I feel like that caused jason larue to have a couple more than if he wouldn't have switched to that yeah 
But, you know, it is what it is. We want to protect guys. We want to protect their families. We want to protect their lives. And, um, you know, the protocols are, are not as extreme as in football, but we're going to have something like that. And, you know, Devin's kind of a, a weirdo anyway, so you <laughs> might not ever know if, if he's got one or not. You have no idea. Yeah. So you're against the hockey mask. Yeah, I don't, I don't you know, I've never, you know, you could say it either way. I always felt, you know, there's one on the two piece with the mask. There's one ball that's going to really, really hurt. Yeah. And that's the one that hits you straight in the face, knocks your jaw back and goes straight down. Ninety percent of the balls are off and they're just moving the mask across the face. Yeah. And I feel like on the hockey mask, it just jars your whole head. Even those that got shock absorbers, it just goes all around your whole head. Interesting, interesting. You know, but it is what it is, and you know, and I've, it's it's not a secret that I'm, a, you know, a uh, advocate for the two piece mask. So, you know, if anybody ever said anything, you know, this guy is sitting next up, to Hook? you right here. Good. How come I didn't get a hat? Dimitri Young joins us over here in the Better Off Red Reds Connect Zone. Turn that microphone on, Dimitri. Dimitri Young. Hello, hello, hello. Hola, como estas? Tedes. Okay, hey. it works. Hey, do you remember playing with this guy? Or the against him? Yeah. Yeah, and then I remember when he came to fantasy camp where I'm trying to win a title, and his very first year with the awesome Ted Powers, they wind up winning the fantasy <laughs> camp championship. Court? Yeah, yeah, that's uh, – I ran my team real hard. <laughs> um we, we lost our first morning game, and, you know, I think it's because we had too much fun the night before, but we, we put that in check, and we didn't stop the whole time. I, but I remember my favorite story to Beecher Young is I got called up, and there was a sushi place right over here. You remember that? No, it was right down the street, and I, I, took, I took my wife in there, and, you know, I'm going to go big. I got a couple of dollars mill money sure. now, you know? yeah. yeah. And we order sushi, a bottle of wine, maybe some sake, and then also we get up, and they said, no, Bill, that guy paid for it. And it was, it was Dimitri Young. It was uh, one of my favorite, my favorite stories to tell yeah. about this. So, guy. obviously, right at that moment, he became one of your favorite teammates. Well, there was other moments <laughs> that were fun, better, but, you know, that was fun. I'm not going to lie. I've been jealous of his facial hair. He's a better face sculptor than I am. <laughs> hey, why aren't you selling your T-shirts out here? Doug Flynn's selling those over there on the, the other side. Yeah, the glue. I don't know. I should have brought. That's tired. I the brought... glue thing's tired. Uh, well, you sound like Marty now. Come on. <laughs> I don't know. I should have brought, brought hats. I should have brought shirts. I, you know, I don't know. I'm... Speaking of hats, Jamie, that's why I asked Thank you very much. Uh, thank you, sir. This is awesome. The meat hook hat. The meat hook. So, Corky, tell us a little bit about now that you're, uh, you know, done squatting behind the plate. That's probably a nice feeling. You're, uh, in addition to coaching and roving, you're also, like Dimitri said, you're uh, involved in Red's Fantasy Camp now. Is that, that's got to be a great time for you, huh? Yeah. Uh, you know, I, it was my first year last year. Uh, I tried to go before, but I guess you can't be a current player to go. And I, I don't know why that happened, but... Finally, Doug, Doug and uh, Megan got me out there, and I've met some really, really cool people. Um, it's a fun thing because I really don't have to do nothing because Dimitri sits in the cage 
and throws for hours. <laughs> and you go in there and you just kind of sit there and you talk to some of the guys. They don't want to listen because they don't care. Dimitri's throwing. He's got a he's got a one piece helmet on. Yeah. And he just throws for hours. And I just go, wow. Well, of course, he doesn't have to go to spring training or do anything like that right. and, and throw right. for hours about a month later. So it, it's been, it was exciting, man. I've, just, I've seen so many guys here from Fantasy Camp and, and uh, just the joy of the game out there. I, the, the only part that stinks is I'm probably the youngest guy out there, and I have to pinch run on Friday <laughs> about 500 times. You know, guys would hit and stay at home plate while I run, and and we play. How many innings do we play? See, this is where Corky, because he's a younger player, as am I, we have to play 30 innings. We had <laughs> – how many teams were out there? It was we had 12, tw 12 teams of 12. Three innings apiece. So it was 30, 36 innings that we have to play defense, offense, defense, offense. And then you got guys like Jack Billingham. Yeah. And, and Tom, Tommy Helms, Jim Maloney, that they go out there, make their one appearance, and then they're in the dugout, <laughs> and then they're in the in clubhouse, the and then they're back out, and they're like, hey, what inning you're out? They say, oh, 12th. Okay, hold on. I got to go to the bathroom. And then they come back in, like, the 19th. Yeah, after a couple coldies. Oh, boy. A couple of coldies, <laughs> bathroom break. Yeah. More yeah. lunch. Therapy, you know, because they're older, they they get to get in a, in a whirlpool and, and, and get some massage therapy. Yeah, oh yeah. I, th I think Dimitri threw like 17 innings that day too. Oh my gosh! Hey, that was kind of fun. I like carving them up. I know. <laughs> and he, he he was he was he was going after him too. Corky, I, you you talked about you have to run a lot. You're doing a lot of running. Is it because of the reputation you had? As a major leaguer, as a as a as a bona fide base stealer in the major leagues. Yes, because of my one steal, they they really think that that uh, Jamie, what that was a steal of home home base, right? Absolutely, yes. Right, I think Dimitri was there too. A absolutely, miracle on wheels. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just uh, you know everybody, Eddie Dobbins, Eddie Thomas, he tries to run too, but then he gets tired because he's old, and and. He you know, tries to hit, though. Yeah. He still likes to show that, hey, I have power. He, Eddie Thomas, he was actually in the cage for probably, I don't know, an hour a day trying to get ready. Get ready for Is Friday. Is that one of the guys you've been working with, Eddie nah. Thomas? <laughs> <laughs> hey, real quick, on a serious note, I want to get, you, especially Corky and Dimitri, I want to get your opinion on the new rules at home plate. And, you know, obviously a lot of people, most people know the changes that, you know, you can't block the plate. Corky, t tell me, what what are your thoughts on these new rules? Well, uh, you know, I, you know me. I, I sat right on top of that plate, and uh, there there's something happened where we stopped teaching how to, you know, how to take a hit or how, how to block the plate without getting hurt. You know, I think uh, – there was two times in my career where I got hurt and both of them were, you know, one was with the Reds and, and when I uh, had my knee contusion um, and one was in double A where a guy, he fell on, on my hip. But other than that, there was nothing that ever was, was too bad, but there's a, there's an art to it. And I've been catching a long time. Um, I, I think nowadays it, it, in my perspective, after watching it, the 
the advantage goes to the catcher now because nobody wants to run over the guy because they don't know. Yeah. But there's also that, that feeling as a catcher is, man, I can't go too early because if I do and get him out and he slides, they can go to replay and say, hey, I was blocking the plate and sure. then that run. And that would cause me to go nuts. But, uh, you know, it, it, again, it's going back to concussions and keeping people safe and keeping the owner's money on the field. Sure. And we, we, teach, we teach our guys how to, how to block the plate, how to be in a good position, and how to take away that run without having to go to replay. Mm -hmm. And we've always taught our guys how to not get hurt doing it also. So. Dimitri, as a, you know, as a base runner, what are your thoughts on these new rules at home plate? Well, one, I'm, I'm a little old school in the sense that, um, you know, you got, you, you got to find a way to score. But on the same token, like Corky said, there's a bigger investment into the game with these players, so you have to take care of your product. And it's, all, it's almost universal all the way around, not only with the, the catchers, but also with concussions. Because we don't want guys getting hurt and being damaged after their playing career is over. So, sign of the times, the evolution of the game calls for that, for catchers to be protected that way. I have no problem with it. And, Corky, are you teaching guys now, now that you're uh, on the coaching end, how to adapt to these new rules? You know, basically the, the way that we did it before and the way we taught it was this rule. Mm. But there was times when you could take away the plate more. You know, we, we, you know, me and Mike, or Mike and I, I, this is how I did it. This is how I got through 17 years of, of without this rule, without being seriously hurt, is because of this. And we taught that, but there was times when, hey, I'm going to scoot over right on top of the plate. You know, you got a guy like Billy Hamilton coming in. What's he going to do? You know, he's going to run me over. Okay. I remember, you know, guys like Greg Vaughn and, 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 and Mr. Weeks and stuff like that. I'm like, I might not want to do that. You know, guys like, luckily, guys Dimitri like Young. Dimitri Young. And, a heavier Dimitri Young. Yeah, and, and, and Adam Dunn were, were, you know, on my team. So I didn't have to worry about that. But there was big guys. Do you guys. remember that hit that Adam Dunn put on Wiki Gonzalez yeah. in, in San Diego? Yeah. Oh, my Lord. Yeah. But see, that's the guy. But he had that football mentality, too. But that's when we would teach that, you know, hey, give him the plate. And then, you know, what, I would like to see it if there's head hunting going on. That's kind of like, you know, uh, in football, uh, defensive receiver, helmet to helmet on a quarterback, you know, stuff like that. That's that's protectable, you know, with fines and stuff like that, because people don't like to lose their money. No, no. You know, so. The way that we, 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 we've taught it in the past, me coming up all the way through, is pretty much the same rule, except you can't cheat to, to cover the plate when the game's on the line. Right, right. And, and you might get penalized for it, throwing a red flag. Hey, check that out. And, you know, it, it's got to be on judgment. But, you know, I, I, we've always taught it the same way. But now it's a little bit easier because there's less fear of guys running you over. Because nobody wants to run you over if they don't know that you're blocking the play. Right. So it just turns to a lay down and a lot of other technical stuff that it's hard to explain <laughs> without spikes on. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Now, both of you guys have, you know, your recent retirees. Um, 
Give me a couple things that you're happy about not playing anymore and some of the things that you miss about playing. All right, that's pretty easy. I don't miss that long schedule. Yeah. <laughs> miss the paycheck. <laughs> <laughs> miss the camaraderie. Miss uh, the locker room food. The locker room humor. Yeah. A lot of that, that goes on inside the clubhouse that most people don't really hear about because there's a, there's a family. We're a family in there, and for eight months, that's including spring training throughout the season, we're around each other every single day. And if you don't like somebody, you're around them every single <laughs> day. And you have to deal with it because you're a part of a team and your common goal is to win. And if you do anything other than that, then you're at the wrong place. And they'll let you know by shipping you out. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, exactly what he's saying. Um, I'm fortunate enough now in the position I'm in is to be in a clubhouse pretty much every day. Um, you know, the grind, getting ready sometimes to play, I don't miss that. You know, making sure I have my belt on, making sure I have my spikes, you know, making sure I have my cup or, you know. Yeah, you need that. Or you, your you're belt. You're sounding like you got a little old when you start forgetting to put on things. Well, man, <laughs> I'm just saying that if I don't want, if I want to wear, if I want to wear my pullover during the game, I'm wearing my pullover during the game. I could, if, if there, there was one player I could think that would wear a pullover during the game, it would be Corky Miller. No, that's not true. <laughs> I wore my uniform every day of spring training. I, I put on all that stuff every day I played. Uh, just a couple times this year, I forgot my belt at home and, and just had to wear a pullover. I mean, I, you know, I, I, I do miss at some points because I am at the lower levels uh, is getting ready, is getting ready for that game. How am I going to take this pitcher in? How am I going to take this pitcher in, in against this team? You know what I mean? Yeah. So that I do miss that. I get a little bit of that when I get up to the higher levels, mm -hmm. uh, you know, Louisville or Pensacola. But like that's that's the thing I miss. Other other than that, man, I mean it's, I, I'm fortunate enough to be in that clubhouse every day with these guys. I know some of them probably could be my kid if I started early, but you know it's <laughs> it, it's still in the clubhouse and it doesn't matter where you're at. That's why Reds Fantasy Camp is so much fun. Sure. I mean, these guys are pumped up, and everybody out there has got that camaraderie. I mean, you got. We had 150 guys last year, and, I mean, it's just a lot of this. Yeah. It's kind of the same thing. But these guys are doctors, lawyers, you know, pizza men, whatever they got out there, and they're just all yipping and yapping. Yeah. Some of the guys didn't get our humor, but some <laughs> of the guys did. Oh, hey, Corky, did you miss getting uh, injured back there behind the plate? Because I hate those little knick-knack injuries like this one I have right here. Yeah, what's uh, Dimitri's wearing a uh, finger cast right now on his middle finger on his right hand. You what happened, make, man? You gonna make me explain this? Yes. Okay. Hip hip laws. All right. Let's um, let's go back in time to um this past Saturday, working with an eight year old. I do lessons, and um, the guy has been pretty happy because he's able to hit the ball. And as I'm feeding the ball on the tee, he's a little anxious. <laughs> he wants to swing, and I'm like, no, wait until I put the ball on the tee and move my hand. And then I had to do that two more times. And then the third time when I did not say it, must have been playing Simon Says because he just swung away. Whack! <laughs> Full contact, broken finger. This thing is nice and swollen like a hot dog. I, I told him, too, I had the same thing yesterday. And I, I had to make the kid close his eyes. And I, I didn't just say close your eyes so I could do this. I said, hey, visualize. 
look at that pitcher. <laughs> and so I put that ball in there, back up. I go, okay, now open up and hit it. Because he was doing the same thing. I was just like, hey, man, you, know, you got to give, give me a chance. Close your eyes. Because there's been close calls, man. I guarantee you're going to do stuff like that now because it, it ain't no fun to get hit when – see, I don't care. When I, when I was playing, if I got hurt, if I had bumps and bruises, I had something to go, hey, man, I played hard. Whatever, foul balls, I'm whatever. Right, right now, it. right now, you, you you're talking about broken finger because the eight year old hit it with the bat. Hey, I'm glad I was an eight year old and not a sixteen year old. <laughs> yeah, I was surprised, Corky, when I asked you like some of the things that you don't miss. You didn't mention like, you know, the knickknacks, like Dimitri said, and the wear and tear that your body probably took behind home plate all the time. I I, I don't know. I mean, I, I've, uh, you know, I won't say I took care of my body. Like some people now, like a Kyle Skipworth or Lorenzen or sure. guys like that. I mean, a lot heavier, Dimitri. Right? That's what we, I mean. That's what it was. It was what it was. I, we played the game at that era. The era's changed, but I like that stuff, man. I mean, there was there was times where it hurt really bad, but that's that was a sign that you were out there. That sign that you were playing, and and that that never bothered me. You know, later on is when your back starts hurting when you wake yeah. up in the morning. And you got nothing to blame it on, you know. It ain't like you played ten days in a row. It's like, dang man, you just got up out of bed. Your back hurts. I mean, there's nothing to blame on. So you know you're getting old. But you know what he also said? The grind. And when I played, and after the first day of spring training, everybody is not at a hundred percent. So you you have something that you have to play with throughout the year. So it was like when I got nicked, like something like this, I wouldn't have gone on the DL. I just would have had therapy, wrap it up, let's go. I would have changed my swing a little bit, but me at 75% is better than some of the players at 100%. And that also shows the guys on the team that, oh, dang, I got a little, little tweak here. I can still go out there and play. And I learned that well, when I was with the Cardinals and more so when I came over here and became a Red. So when I was traded to Detroit, I had I had um tore not tore I um fractured my fibula the second game of the season in Toronto in 04. Instead of going home, you know how a lot of people like to go home for that time that they're injured. I was with the team the entire time. After my surgery, I wore my boot. I was making the road trips and then when I started rehabbing, instead of being somebody new on the team, they they saw me work. And in turn, those guys wind up working and then 06 you saw what the Tigers did. Yeah, right. Yeah. Is the season too long, guys? Nope. I, I don't I don't think so, man. It, it at, at the at the, it's games and it's games and it's games and and there's so much different variables that go in to you, you can have guys if you shorten that season by whatever 20, 30 games, those 20 or 30 games that's that's I don't know, 10, 20 homers, whatever it yeah, is. Yeah. You know, some guys go on two-week, three-week tears, and if you don't have that, but you can say it on this thing for slumps too, but it's hard to get in shape for the whole whole season. Right. Dimitri, he, 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 he could tell you more about that. Dimitri? About being in shape for the season? <laughs> yeah, I was round. No, t- <laughs> talking about the, 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 this, the length of the season. Oh, well, you know what? Uh, that's what the minor leagues was for, and my theory behind – each station in the minor leagues symbolizes getting ready for the big leagues. So when you get drafted and go to rookie ball, that's teaching you how to be a professional and play every day. Then A ball teaches you to how to play an entire season. 100, 144 games. Yeah. 
then double-A, you learn how to play in series because there are less teams in double-A and triple-A because they have three leagues. Mm -hmm. And on top of that, you play five-game series. So if they got your number game one and you don't make any adjustments, you're dead by the game five and vice versa. If you got the team's number hidden, you can have a great season, a great series. And then triple-A is a holding pattern for – guys that are in the big league so if you move up as a prospect to triple a you're facing big league pitching you're just not at a big league stadium everything's big league you have everybody that's big league so now for a prospect that's what you're getting and for me i couldn't get out of double a to save my life my career average in double a is probably 240 <laughs> everywhere else is in the threes that's that's an interesting way that you describe the minor league system there i've never heard it described that way i think it's I think that's a brilliant way to look at it. And what happened in Double A for you? What did it? Where, 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 it was the whole series. Where thing. were you, Birmingham? Where did you, you play? I was, oh, I was with the Cardinal organization. We were in Little Rock, Arkansas, in the Texas League. Yeah, there was there was something about that place that I hated so much I couldn't get out of there. <laughs> uh, it, it is it is that different that different sense. You got guys that throw really hard that don't know where it's going. Yeah. And that's where they put guys that hey, you're gonna make it or break it. And guys either get really good, and and also you get drafted out of high school. Fourth pick. Fourth pick, first round. Yes, sir. Your first rounder. First rounder. Dang, big time, well, big time I mean, money right there. So, so then you're getting up there. Now you you've been away from home. You 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 probably turned 21 around that time, didn't you? When I um, in double A. I was 19 and then got out of double A when I was 21. Oh, okay, good. About time. <laughs> You guys are both like uh, I would consider two of the most popular players in Reds history. Um, can you, Corky? Can you give me an idea on what what your popular where your popularity oh, you, came from? You know, we, we I get this all, all the time. But I mean, you ask the people that are out here. You ask the people in Louisville. Uh, it's a familiar face. You know, I mean, it's I was in Louisville for a long time. Um, you know, there's people that came up to me the last couple of years that were five and six, and they're you know <laughs> driving cars and having kids. <laughs> that doesn't make you feel old. No, it, you know, <laughs> I, you know, it doesn't bother me. But that's that's a lot of it. You know, there's a lot of guys. My first year here was 01. You know, I left you know 05, 06, 07, 08, came back in 09. But that's a, a long time for guys that in this the Reds country that go to games. And then they come back to games when they get done doing their stuff. And now they're bringing their kids to games, and they're like, hey, I remember that guy. Yeah. You know, in this game now where you, you might have uh, guys moving in and out, guys coming up, guys getting really good, getting traded, becoming free agents. Mm -hmm. I kind of just stayed, <laughs> you know, and it, I think that's how that happened. I mean, maybe the mustache helped a little bit. Yeah. You know, it's not like I was some great superstar. I barely played, <laughs> you know, but I was somebody that people would say, hey, I used to watch that guy. Yeah. You know, and not that the guys, I'm any better than the guys. It's just I've been around. And, and a lot of times that becomes uh, somebody to talk about. Dimitri, how about you? How do you? Where do you pinpoint your popularity, especially among Reds fans? I think it started when I got traded over to the Reds um, during spring training. The first couple of days in 98, after I got traded from the St. Louis Cardinals, Tony La Russa, you know, general looking. <laughs> so you see where I'm getting at. Sure. 
he, he ran a tight ship. And so when I got traded over to the Reds, I didn't have a smile or anything during spring training. So um, Barry Larkin, Hall of Famer, the Capitan, pulled me aside one day and was like, hey, I heard that you're a good guy, and, and I want you to start having fun. And he told me to look out in the field. I see everybody look like a doggone barbecue out there. People were having fun, <laughs> taking ground balls, fly balls, hitting. They, they had a great time. He said, if you don't start having a great time like these guys are, because you, we know you're a hard worker. We don't have to worry about that. Start having fun out here. If not, you're not making any money. I'm going to start finding you every day that you don't smile. <laughs> Get a man in his pocketbook, right? Oh, yeah. And, and, and that's where it came out. And then Pokey Reese, by far one of my favorite teammates of all time. We were thick as thick. We were both drafted in the first round in 91 and played against each other coming up. So when we finally played with each other, it was like, oh, I got me a brother right here. And we can do this together. And we had some fun out there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they, uh, I, re I remember those guys. They, they were everywhere together. <laughs> everywhere together. Yeah. I mean, and it, it was, it was a fun, it was a fun clubhouse. We had a lot of fun. They got a lot of work in. Um, you had guys, Dimitri, Pokey, Sean, Casey, and you know, and, and then even, even you know, Barry. He wasn't as outgoing as those guys, but he was always as fun and, and making sure everybody else was having fun too. Right. So. Yeah. Now you guys are both like, I think, and I think the folks out here would agree that you both would make tremendous managers. I think, especially at the big league level, I think you guys are two of the smartest baseball players I've ever been around. Just, just for fun, Gorky, what do you think, uh, what do you think would make, why Dimitri would make a good manager? Oh, he's seen it all, man. Um, you know what I like about the meat hook? He's been at the top. Man, he's been at the bottom. You know, he's been everywhere in between. You know, he, he, he knows how to win. He knows how to have fun. You know, he knows how to be tight. He knows how to be loose. And in baseball, man, it's every single minute thing in between being at the bottom and the top. Mm -hmm. And if, if you can relate to guys and you, you can understand the game, that's that's where it's at, you know, for me. And Dimitri, what would what would Corky? How would you pinpoint Corky as a as a good manager? What would his qualifications be? Well, for everybody that's been listening to him, he's a student of the game. Sure. And being a catcher, being a lifer, being up and down, you know, never got the starting job, but he always backed up his players, the team. And I, I saw a lot of it this um, year in fantasy camp. And we won, right, champions? Yeah, yeah. You and Ted Power won it. Okay, rub it in. You hear this, you hear this Coxie? This is, this is baloney. But as you see, he's fun-loving, and I'm sure that the, the guys in the Reds organization love when he's around because he, he can relate to the players. And that's what it's all about nowadays is relating to the players and getting the max effort out of them every single night. And that's what this guy – what I've seen him do. Okay, so now let's uh, let's get it written down. A contract. If one of these guys becomes a big league manager, they're hiring the other guy as the bench coach. Can we make I that would. happen? Yeah, <laughs> I'll do whatever he wants. He might not want to be my bench coach. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I want to be his bench. I'll, I'll be I'll be catching guys somewhere else. <laughs> he can do what Billy Hatcher does. I mean, he can stand over first base and do nothing. 
You know, he does do nothing over there. And y'all are laughing because it's true. <laughs> but now now he's third, he's third base coach right now. Is third that base coach. making yeah. him earn yeah. his money yeah. now. Yeah. yeah. You're going to see that guy go like this. Whoop. <laughs> Dimitri Young and Corky Miller. God, you guys are two of the best, two of my favorites. And I'm glad you could stop by and join oh, yeah, us man. here. Hey, so, uh, one, one thing that I wanted to say about Mr. Ramsey here was when I first met him, he was working part of the grounds crew along with um, Rat right there. They were both part of the grounds crew, and now they're a big part of the front office with the Cincinnati Reds. So I'm real proud to see how these two guys pro progressed in the organization. Thank you very much. That's very kind of you to say. And I'm sure Corky was probably uh, around, too. Yeah, well, I think we're, three of us, all three of us have been around, and Rat as well. We've been around for a while, and yeah. that's kind of what makes uh, – You can't get out of here, man. You can't, you can't it's, get it's, out of here. Like, he don't want to get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, thanks again for coming by. Foot soldiers and his arms so weary. This cowboy way has left me so alone and so dreary. Won't you play for me tonight? Won't you, gentle your boy? Our final segment may be my most favorite from Reds Fest 2015. Tucker Barnhart and Doug Flynn, two guys who I've spent a lot of time with on the annual Reds Caravan, stop by the podcast stage to catch up and tell stories and basically just shoot the breeze. I had a lot of fun with these guys, as I'm sure you'll be able to tell. Here's Reds catcher Tucker Barnhart and the glue of the big red machine, Doug Flynn. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Reds Connect Zone over here in the Better Off Red area. For the, we're recording for the Better Off Red podcast right now. We have the one and only, the glue of the Big Red Machine. Super glue. The super glue, super. Doug Flynn, and Reds catcher from Brownsburg, Indiana, Tucker Barnhart. Give it up for these yeah. guys. Two Woo. of my favorite guys in the world. Hey, I want you to know that last year, oh boy, because of the little tour, the rock star tour yes. that we were a part of, this group. He wasn't. He no, got traded. Two years I ago. Got traded. Two years ago. I wasn't happy. I got traded off that I tour. I tried to tell you that's what he'll do to you. He kicked you off the year <laughs> before. Me off and then then he kicked, kicked you me off. off. Let's you and I talk. He's weeding him off. Let's just talk me and you, Doug. You know, that's just so wrong. It is. You and I could probably get a blog. What's it? Better off dead or? Better off it? dead. What's the name <laughs> of this thing? I can hear you guys. Yeah. Better you, off dead. Is this dead? on? Oh, my fault. <laughs> okay, let's 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 get it out of the way now. I, you guys are assuming I have any pull on this. You uh, have a lot more pull than you're alluding I to. I agree, Tucker. <laughs> so yeah. last year there was a conspiracy waged against the Rockstar Tour. We had I think too you'll much agree fun. with this. We had too much fun. They were like, okay, Tucker, you, you're getting, you know, they think that we pollute your mind and try to, you know, our you bad influences. Me. It's only Excuse helping. Me. I think so, too. Who thinks that? The powers that be. That's an Zach Bonkowski. Fact. You do pollute his mind. No, no. So we're trying to get Tucker back, and they're trying to convince me to, they're trying to convince the powers to be to let Doug Flynn back. But we're still talking about that, negotiating whether or not we want to, we want the super glue back. We want Doug back. 
Oh, we do. Okay, I okay. want Doug. Is that is that the company line? Tucker, I want Tucker Doug. Wants me back. Okay. I, Tuck and I have we have a bond that started two years ago. Yes. I didn't even know what Twitter was. And now he's the most that, active person on Twitter I've ever I seen. I probably got twenty or thirty people following me. So. It's, <laughs> Thanks, um, thanks, Tucker. We have you to thank for this, right? That was that was <laughs> along with others on my rock star tour. We True. we BL fishing became BL fishing. BL fishing, yeah. And I remember that night that you showed him, because I remember we get to a stop, and he's still oblivious to what Twitter is. We talked. We had talked about it the entire time. Yeah, yeah, the whole time, and he he thinks it's like you know something out of this world, which every any it's new technology for Doug, so. I just was like, okay, that's fine. He doesn't know what it is. The next morning, he has like 50,000 followers and has already tweeted like 200 billion times. And I'm like, what in the world happened? And then I found out Tucker Barnhart. With, among others. All I had to do is say that I was a friend of Tucker's. Not true. And it lit up. It lit up. Brian he's Pena been, was there. It went back down then because now they know I'm a friend of yours. So it went back down a little bit. <laughs> He's getting big, isn't he? I mean, he's huge. No, he's he's, he's, he's huge. becoming very popular. Well, why Thanks. not? He's a good guy. He's a good player. He gets it. He has respect for the game. He knows the game. He he's he's a guy that gets it. He ought to have Thanks, a lot of Doug. followers. I absolutely Thank would agree with that, and uh, I think you guys would agree. Tucker is uh, a very popular member of the, not only the Reds caravan. We sit up here and joke and everything, but a very popular member of the current Reds team, and we're very thrilled to have him. Tuck, let's talk a little bit about Brian Pena leaving. Uh, he went on to St. Louis as a free agent, which obviously that means you're probably the number two guy, right? I hope so. Um, having Brian was was great. Learning from him, uh, learning from Devin. So hopefully it puts me in a position where I can do a lot of the same things I did last year. So uh, I hope Devin's back and he's healthy. His, his hip looks great. We worked out yesterday and he looked awesome. So I'm hoping he's He's healthy, and we can be a tandem for a lot of years. Have you talked to Devin this off season? Maybe yeah, every once in a while. Every yeah. once in a while, we uh, we stay in touch. Talk more about football than anything, but uh, <laughs> we do. We stay in touch, and uh, so we're like I said. Hopefully, it's a, a tandem for for a lot of years. Doug, give me a little. Uh, let's talk about Tucker a little bit. What did you see in his progression from years past up to last year? I mean, he made that big step, and I think everybody was impressed with how he handled himself, especially at the plate. Well, I don't care what kind of ball player you are or who you are. You can come up, but you have to realize this is where I belong. And you can have all the confidence in the world, but until that clicks in and you say, all right, I know I belong here, and you have to figure out something. It has to feel right. You can, you can put on this facade that you're confident, but until that actually sinks in and you go, hey, I'm a big league ball player. Now here's my job. This is what I'm supposed to do. He did that a lot earlier than a lot of people. Of course, we've always known about how good a defensive catcher he was. Then last year, we saw him hit the ball to all fields, which is going to be a key for him. And uh, he, he knows that when he gets the call, all right, I'm not going into a pr – I've got a job now. They know I can do it. I know I can do it. And then once he gets into the game, he just does it. And, uh, but I think probably more than anything else is I love the way he respects the game. And, and there's a lot of guys that don't, and uh, he does. So I think that's why I like him so much. Yeah, thanks, you, Doug. <laughs> Thank you. Was Doug. that close? Thanks. 
I think everything I prepared for you, I think you got it. All I saw perfect. I saw a twenty dollar bill slip between <laughs> down here. I may have left out a word. <laughs> <laughs> no, I would agree with you, Doug, and I think another thing, not to you know make it a, a Tucker Barnhart love fest, Please although let's not. I want to talk more about the Rockstar Tour, but but, but one 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 last thought on that is and that's how Tucker and I became friends was you know that just the way he treats people that he interacts with, it's doesn't matter if the guy if it's you know the guy the, the janitor or a clubhouse guy or or Bob Castellini he treats everybody with, with respect in the same way and I you know that it makes it easy to root for a guy like that and I you know he'll always be one of my special favorite Thanks, players man. I appreciate that, that very so much. let's talk about his his the bad things about Tucker Barnhart now <laughs> let's go Keep, let's <laughs> no, hear no. him I want to hear him no, I don't, I don't think so I don't, I don't think any. I got none I, we don't have any, except you weren't on the caravan tour with us last year. I, that is not my call. Again, not my call, and I'm not happy about it, but are you what sensing, can you do? Are you sensing that this rock star tour it's not was, a rock was, star only, tour. was only that in name only? Once that they got rid of Be when careful we, now. When, Be when careful. we got out of that, yeah, no, that, uh, <laughs> the things that could happen to me if I slander the rock star <laughs> yeah. tour, it would be a good idea. <laughs> I've seen it firsthand. It's not, it would be a good idea. Tucker, if you know, cut me off if you don't want to talk about it, but there was some a big, big life event that happened to you recently. Do you want to discuss this? Yeah, I got married uh, two weeks ago. So, yeah, I, I'm, she she let me. She let me go. <laughs> but uh, actually, be careful because I do see Mrs. Barnhart in the audience right she is now. Here, so. But, uh, no, I got married two weeks ago, uh, went to Cancun for a honeymoon, and uh, had a great time. How was Cancun? Awesome. Yeah? Uh, very relaxing. So, got to, uh, didn't really do much snorkeling or anything like that, but laid by the pool and had a lot of water. It That's a lot of water, yeah. Is that what they call it? Yeah, good water. <laughs> Doug, did you uh, do the Reds Cruise recently? Were you on the Reds yeah, Cruise? just got off the Reds Cruise. You, another freebie that the organization gives you that well, you, know, you, you take a full advantage of? You know, Jamie, when you're the glue, a lot of these things come your way. Uh, and I would be a dummy not to take advantage of that. Um, I need to get one of those shirts, by the way. I, and I'm, have one? I he, gave, he gave one to me. He didn't huh. give one to you? What? What's, what happened? I, I, Tuck, you know, I'm waiting you, for the super glue. All the, all of I'm the waiting sudden, for the super glue one. All of a sudden, the one that's, the glue. that's right. Those are, those all of a sudden, who's, who's real friends now? I have the, the super glue friends? one that's a lot more rare than that glue <laughs> one there. Jamie, this. That's you know what's even more rare? One a Doug Flynn jersey. <laughs> you know what? They how many jerseys do you all have in your locker now? Oh no! In, in in my locker, I got how many home jerseys? I got two home ones, two road ones, two alternate ones. That's Six. about right. That's about right. <laughs> you know, when we got through playing, our season was over. They were right there collecting uniforms, suitcases. Bernie was. Bernie was. Yeah, <laughs> they were collecting all kinds of stuff. So you really never got to take any of it home. It wasn't until later that I realized you could get these jerseys and frame them and have a nice keepsake. But I'm waiting on a – actually, I am waiting on a Doug Flynn frame jersey for my man cave. From who? From Doug Flynn, the super, super oh, glue. I'm still waiting on a Doug happen. Flynn bobblehead. Oh, I have Ooh, one of those, too. Bobbleheads are live right now. I have, one, have one, one of those, those, too. I don't have a shirt. I, I don't have a bobblehead. You. And you, you are just – I take care – are you turning on me? I'm not. I will never I turn love on to you, Doug. But stirring it up. Stir he it is up. a proverbial you know, you know proverbial his spoon. Is, don't you? His nickname is Swizzle because that's all he does is just stir things up. <laughs> Do any of you all actually follow him at all? <laughs> you all better say yes. You got one, I'm got one, getting security out here. 
We actually last year at one time were getting on each other so bad that, I, <laughs> oh, yeah. that something happened and someone put something very serious about what we were saying to each other. So I, yeah, people thought we were seriously attacking I each other. I texted him. I said, "Did I miss something? Or are we really mad at each other?" And he says, <laughs> "No." He, and he explained to me what I, I should have said. Yes, we are. And, uh, but that's the fun of it. I love doing that. And it's your fault, by the way. Uh, I take full responsibility. Would, you, you want to tell me a lot of people, how many follow Tucker on Twitter? Look at this. Wow. Four. Four. Well, that's four more than I have. How Tucker, many people give, follow Doug Flynn? BL Fishing. BL Fishing is Doug yes, Flynn. thank you. On Great. Twitter. Um, Tucker Barnhart, give out your, uh, your Twitter account. Uh, it's my name, Tucker, and then in between Barnhart, there's an underscore, and it says Barnhart. And you're also on Instagram as well, right? Uh, yeah, but it's... Uh, I'm trying to remember. I created a new one. It is. I think it's no. Just, it was uh, talk to Tucker, right? Yeah, I got rid of that one. Okay. Um, I think it is my name and my baseball number. So Tucker Barnhart, 16. Follow him, guys. He's yep. uh, he's he's a, he's a good one. Uh, one of the things. Go no. Go ahead. No, this is your show. No, go ahead. No, no, it really isn't. Go ahead. So you, you mentioned yeah. the uh, <laughs> you mentioned the Doug Flynn bobblehead. Did you ever see the the sticker at the bottom? Oh, you don't have one. I don't have one, so yeah. I can't see that, Jamie. Well, there's that, a Jamie. sticker at the bottom of the Doug Flynn bobblehead, made in China, and it said something about fragile parts. And that's all I'm going to say about it. And both of those statements were accurate. <laughs> You've been made, you were made in China? I was made in China. And you have fragile parts. Fragile. fragile parts. <laughs> you know what happened? It's, it's really fun. We did a banquet in Kentucky, and, and they gave out an award for a volunteer reward. We're not talking to you anyway. Go ahead and go sleep. So we had about 10 of them left over, so we started using them for charities. Bobbleheads. Bobbleheads. And so we have about 10 left, and they're all making money for nice charity. Well, that, that, I don't deserve one, then. That's good there. Yeah, yeah they can stay good, there. But you, you will get a T-shirt today. Today? Today. Hey. I want to get a picture of this because I have a feeling he's not going to come through on this. Do you? <laughs> What size? What size you wear? A large. Large. We'll have it before this show is over with. Hmm. And then as soon as I get twenty dollars from Jamie for that <laughs> other one, we can take care of some other people. You talk a lot about these charities, and you know, at first I'm biting, I'm you know, hook, line, and sinker to use your language, but now I'm starting to wonder, like, if this charity thing isn't the Doug Flynn charity. What's your point? He calling you out right now. <laughs> I need to see some tax documents on these. Uh... Oh, oh, excuse me, <laughs> <Yeah>. Mr. IRS. <laughs> Tucker, we have a good time, don't we, man? We do. We have a really good time. And we, this is you uh, do it right. I, when I saw you guys that were on the schedule, I, I I wanted to not talk too much about baseball, but since you guys are always a fun-loving, free spirit duo, talk about some of our. Shouldn't it be like that, though? I mean, yeah. when he goes to work, it gets pretty serious. And most of you guys, when you have jobs, it gets pretty serious. So I think people need to lighten up a little bit. And almost, You know what's funny? I came up and when I was doing the statue, th when Tony Perez had his statue, yeah. and one of my friends from Kentucky looked at me and said, how come you get to come up there? You don't even speak <laughs> Spanish. And then he looked at me and says, you don't even speak no good English. <laughs> and I took offense. I speak perfect no good English. So, <laughs> I got it. You talk about the Tony Perez statue. I want to know when the Doug Flynn statue is Yes. Yeah. Just holding a bottle of glue. I think it's in the, uh, the, the third level men's restroom up in the Great American Ballpark. All right. Let me ask you fans this. You all remember the Big Red Machine, right? Pretty good ball team. 
There were eight guys that have their pictures all over the place. What about those other 17 guys? Role players. Don't we deserve a plaque in a restroom would be fine. (laughs) But just a plaque somewhere in the stadium that says, those unknown Reds deserving something. That's a good idea, actually. Which, if you spelled it out, would be what they called us back then. Uh, Mr. Barnhart. Here we are. It's indeed an honor and a privilege to present you with this wonderful shirt that I expect you to be wearing underneath your uniform, the official Doug Flynn glue T-shirt. Hey, thanks. Thanks, There it is. This is great. I've been waiting 18 years for this. Speech, speech, speech. It's an honor and a privilege to have, finally, after so long, a Doug Flynn the glue shirt. How about that, ladies and gentlemen? You guys got to get one like now. It. You it's guys, because it really is. I, I kid Doug, but he is a very charitable person, and the the proceeds from those shirts that he's hawking are going to our good cause. And uh, I encourage you all to to pick one up. What else are we going to talk about, guys? What do y'all want to hear? What do you want to talk about, guys? It's up to you. Go ahead. I did a heck of an interview with this young lady yeah? at the uh, Miracle League this Oh, yeah? What would you talk about? We, we had a bunch, of, a bunch of good questions. I don't remember exactly what the questions were, but she did a great job. They filmed, hey, hey, it for the, they filmed it for the news. Yeah. All kinds of stuff. I Jim was Day the was there. League. How come you didn't interview me? He's not as cool as me. He's not as cool as me, right? I'm not as cool, nearly oh, as cool you, as these guys. You didn't guys. interview him too, did you? You interviewed him and him, but you didn't interview me. <laughs> you want you want to be the next Jim Day? I know that, not Jamie Ramsey. No, yeah, you don't want to be Jamie no, Ramsey no, at all. You want to be the next Jim Day? <laughs> no, not right, this Doug? guy. No. And then you get to deal with guys like this, really good guys like this. I know. Todd, where's Todd Frazier at? We need to get him over here so you can you can interview him. <laughs> I want to. I want to try. I want to try. Hey, to Doug. Get Todd did over you, here. you you uh, did you have you talked? Have you picked up uh, what what recently? Obviously, in the news was Pete Rose, and uh, have you have you spoken to Pete lately? And what are your thoughts on the possible ruling of his future coming about? Well, um, I'm one of those few guys. I love Pete. Pete introduced me to my wife, um, and I still like him. Um, <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. She's sitting here somewhere. Yeah, I, I know she is. <laughs> no, we've been married 34 years, and I love Pete, but here's what I would like to see. From my perspective, I wish Pete would call a press conference and say to my friends, my fans, and my family, I made a mistake, and I'm sorry. That's all. If he says that, he'll be in just like that. But for some reason, those words are hard to get out of his mouth. Right. And I don't know. That's just, is he a Hall of Famer? There's no doubt about that. No doubt. But that comes with what we were talking about earlier, respecting the game. Mm-hmm. So. so that's your thoughts on that. That's all I got. Hey, we, I don't know if a lot of you folks know, there are two things about Doug Flynn that, that I am most proud of him for. I know that's tough for me to say. Speaking about tough things to say. I hope this is serious. <laughs> is this going to be some bad no, this sarcasm? Is. He's a 1980 Gold Glove Award winner at second base for the New York Mets. That's a lot of people. I think that gets uh, you know uh, swept under the rug because he's such a laughable, funny goofball. 
But he was actually, and he did it with the biggest mullet perm I've ever seen in my life. I wish we could get that pulled up right now. <laughs> oh, yeah. He he I managed. Mean, board, he managed to win a gold to. glove with a mullet, which I find fascinating. It was the seventies. I mean, we had bell bottom pants, heel shoes. Nineteen eighty is not the seventies. It was for me. <laughs> <laughs> hey. 2016 in Lexington is the 70s for me. <laughs> and another thing, he also played for the Kentucky Wildcats basketball team. So Doug Flynn is quite, quite, and, I mean, obviously he's the super glue. So this man's like Forrest Gump. He's done everything. <laughs> there's, a, there's a lot of Forrest Gump in me, believe me. There he is. Tucker's also a big basketball fan. Tuck, give us an update on your uh, – you're not a Pacers guy, though, are you? Huh? Oh, you are a Pacers oh, yeah. guy. Yeah, okay. I'm a big Pacer guy. Yeah. Um, I think uh, they play tonight, actually. Um, I get to go to a few games every once in a while. Uh, they are – they started 0-3, I believe, but then since they've won, like, I think 12 of 14 or 13 of 15, something, they're playing really well. Yeah. So. Do you get to go to any games? I mean, especially now that you're – a big time, no, big leaguer. Do they, do they I do invite get to you go to the games. clubhouse? No, I don't get to go down there. <laughs> I get to, I get to sit on the floor every once in a while. Ooh. So it's kind of cool. Now he's getting big time. I told you, he's getting big time. We knew that, Jamie. We knew he was big time. Yeah. Don't ruin him, okay? He's I like just Spike like my Lee tickets. That's there. all. Spike Lee and Spike Jack Lee. Nicholson I'm down gonna, there. Like. I'm gonna trip somebody here pretty soon. I think. <laughs> <laughs> Stick my foot out. I can't do that, though. And on the uh, college side, I know we've talked about this in the past. You're not a big college basketball team, but Butler's doing well. Yeah, Butler is good. Um, I just like when when Brad Stevens left there for the NBA, kind of it stunk a little bit, but uh, they're do they go do a good job. Chris Holtman is a the coach there now. He's he's a good guy. He's been around the city a, a, a while, and uh, they're good over there. I like the way they play. I mean, they don't have any. I would say no five star guys that you would right. say. He's going to be the next LeBron James or whatever, Steph Curry, anybody like that. But they play well. They play hard. It's fun to watch. And you enjoy going to the games too, I bet. I've gone a couple times. I don't go I don't go a ton. I go to more Pacer games than I'd say Butler right. games. But uh, I've been a couple times. It's a great place to watch a game. Yeah, they that's filmed, a great facility. They filmed Hoosiers there. They did a bunch of renovations, so it still looks the same. It's yeah. one of those places I think it's a – it's like a land. It's legitimately like a national landmark. Like they yeah. can't, they won't ever be able to tear it down. They won't be able to actually change the way it looks. But they can do a like bunch Doug of stuff. Like Doug Flynn, right? Pretty much, pretty much. Doug, did you ever play there at Butler? Uh, never did. Played up at UD when I was a freshman at Kentucky. Where's that? Uh, University. Yeah, where's that? <laughs> hey, I became a Butler fan a couple of years ago because they had a young man by the name of Kelvin Mack on there yeah. who, from my high school. So I would follow him. And Shelvin Mack. Shelvin Mack. There's a Kelvin Mack, too. There's a, there's a that's bunch of Macs. Your, your, <laughs> that's your fishing buddy, probably, right? Uh, no, it's Keith. Keith, okay. But they had a – I mean, he was a good player, and that was a fun team to watch. They were good. I went to, I went to high school with Gordon Hayward. Ah. So I got to – I was fortunate enough to watch him just destroy people in high school. That's just fun. He, people don't know, he's, he was almost a better tennis player than he was a basketball player. Is that player. right? Yeah, he was going to go to Purdue to play both. Wow. And uh, he made the right decision and yeah. just playing basketball, I'd no say. Joke. But, uh, yeah, he uh, he was a hell of a player in high school, um, obviously in college, and now he's his game's at a whole other level in the NBA. So he's he's fun to watch. What were some of your, some of your favorite uh, places to play while you were playing for Kentucky? Uh, at home. At home mostly, Memorial yeah, of Coliseum. course, yeah. Well, it's a good was, answer. it was tough on the road. Anytime you went away, because regardless – of what kind of team we were going to have. You had a full gymnasium, which is good. 
because everybody wanted to see what Kentucky had coming up. So, and it was, it was about like playing in Philadelphia or Boston. You hear the same kind of comments. Those are fun comments now. <laughs> playing, playing, in, playing in Boston was fun. Bonhot, they called me. Bonhot. They couldn't, they couldn't say they are, they're oh, yeah, ours, they so it's Bonhot. Yeah. Tucker Bonhot. <laughs> I think Joe Z needs to start pronouncing your name like funny. that. Yeah, that, <laughs> be that would really be awesome. Uh, another thing, speaking of college basketball and Doug playing for Kentucky, one of the cool things that we got to see, I think it was last year when we went to Cynthiana and Doug was on our tour, uh, Joe B. Hall happened to be – at the at the radio station in which we were visiting and it was neat to see these guys interact because Joe B Hall was the coach whom you played for and whom whom you whom called who called you to you know recruit you, you and you told a good story about the first time that you, he called you what did you do Well I had no scholarship offers out of high school in anything I played three sports but had no offers so the phone rings one day and I don't know what I'm going to do yet where I'm going to school yeah. Hello, Doug. This is Joe B. Hall. Yes, sir. Uh, we'd like to talk to you about playing basketball at the University of Kentucky. Well, immediately I'm thinking it's one of my friends because <laughs> everybody I know used to imitate Coach Hall and Coach Rupp. So I just played along with him. Says, "Oh, how you doing, Coach? I've been waiting on this call. I just got off the phone with Coach Wooden, and uh, I'm still trying to decide where I want to go." And uh, I said, "I'll get back to you." So I hang up the phone. When five minutes later, the phone rings, and my dad answers, and I hear him say, I don't know why he hung up on you, coach. And I'm thinking, oh, shoot. <laughs> he said, yeah, we're at home now. We'd love for you to come over. So he comes over to the house and sits down. They had signed a guy to be a point guard. From the time he signed his letter of intent, he ended up getting drafted by Cleveland. So they lost their point guard, and they needed somebody just to bring the ball up the floor, and that was me. It was one of the greatest years of my life. Played against the number one team in the nation every single day. They had Dan Ilsel, Mike yeah. Pratt. So we scrimmaged them and just, it's a good growing up here at 5'8 and 150. You learned how to compete <laughs> properly. Did Marty ever call any of those games? Was that, is that, <laughs> thank goodness, no. <laughs> that was about his era, though, back in the ABA. That's when they still had the apple basket, right? The, the peach basket, and they couldn't, they yeah, had to. Yeah, and after every basket, somebody had to climb up on the ladder right, and get yeah, the ball out. That's You're what, so wrong. You know, he's not here to defend I wish so we could up. have Lee May tell that story that he told on the caravan story about him <laughs> announcing games. Where was it? You remember what he would when say? He, that he, Lee May, who is, our, I mean, he's like a brother to all three of us. We got Father very, to me. He taught me, yes. how to, he taught me how to sign autographs. He, yes. he looked at me. We were my first year on the caravan, and I was signing my name, and I had some scribble autograph. And he looked at me. He said, son, you ever played in the big leagues? I said, no, sir. And he said, well, until you do, you better write your name so people can read it because nobody knows who the hell you are. <laughs> <laughs> so after that, to Tucker's credit. I send Jamie pictures every once in a while when I sign something, and I say, hey, I think Lee would like this. Yeah, yeah. And, of course, Lee, every time after that, it was early in the caravan trip. It was probably like the Thursday or whatever. So by Sunday, Lee May gave the stamp of approval on Tucker's signature, and I thought that was, the, <laughs> I thought that was one of the Changed overnight. Things. But that is like the cleanest version of a, the, of a Lee May story that we can By share far. up here. <laughs> By far. So I'll give you an example of one of the things that he gives Marty Brenham in a hard time about on the caravan when he's with us. Mar Lee May claims that the saddest day in the Reds and <laughs> the history of the Reds organization was the day that Al Michaels left. Because <laughs> that was the, the next day. That's when Marty Brenham was hired. And he always says, ah, Marty, you would be nothing without Joe Nuxaw. You would be back in Memphis doing tractor pulls and demolition derbies. So, we, uh, 
Lots and lots of laughs. I mean, I, that's a, another one of those things I wish people could three hear. Days, but three days of laughter. Yeah, uh, it const, would have to be constant laughter. It would have to be on HBO or something. You weren't laughing; you were asleep. Well, oh yeah. And I tell you, Jamie, that's for all of us that get a chance to listen to you, watch you, and listen. You bring fun to the game, and I think that's. I'd, I'd love to see players doing that. If I had to do it all over, I would take a little more fun to the field because you realize all of a sudden. Uh, you wake up and you're not playing anymore. <laughs> I mean, somebody said, weren't you the baby on the big red machine? And I said, yeah. And my wife said, yeah, and the baby's going to draw Social Security next year. <laughs> I kind of let you know that it gets here in a hurry. So, yeah, I, just I, I would have fun every day and just realize how special. And you help us do that. So thank well, you. Well, I appreciate it. Look at this guy. Send it we back might be way. friends now. <laughs> no, 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 no. Well, I'm going to add two things to that. One, I just spoke to Greg Vaughn on our podcast, and I asked him if he had any regrets. And those that you uh, that have listened to that podcast, he said, and you guys remember Greg, how serious and tense he was, especially the year that he played here in Cincinnati. He said, I wish I'd have had more fun. Or not more fun, I wish I'd have smiled more. And I think that goes a long way. And I, another thing that I've heard, and I, I always mess up the quote, but I think there's a clubby in, in Miami that has the sign on the wall. It says, when it's time for a player to say, or when it's time to say hello, it's time for that player to say goodbye, meaning that, you know, and Tucker gets it. It's the, it's when it's time to, you know, be nice to people and, you know, be friendly and interact with people. It's usually that time where the player's career is over and, you know, a couple of years they're they're wishing they had a a do over, if you will. And good point. And you guys are I mean, both of you guys, um, you know, you get it and you treat fans right. And I think that's why everybody's here watching you guys right now. It's not just because, you know, you're associated with the Reds, but. You're also good people, and I think that's what you guys like about these guys, right? He is. Thanks. How come you're not pointing at me, too? You just pointed at him. <laughs> you, let me tell After this is over, I'll tell you what he's really like, okay? <laughs> I, hide that paper that I gave you to say all this stuff. <laughs> well, this, this is one of the most remarkable things I've ever been around when I see all these people come out here and do this. Nobody else is doing this in baseball that I know of. Not this well. Not this well. So it's a credit to you guys. Thank you for all the years' support. Now let's get out and get these guys rolling this year. Sounds good to me. They're what do you good? think? What do you think, Tucker? Yes, before we sign off here, I know. It, I mean, you can't promise, you know, going to the World Series next year. But in your opinion, and I'm sure I share the opinion with you, and I know you have it in your heart and your belly. Where's this team going? Is it going in the right direction? It's definitely going in the right direction. Um, I think with all the experience, the young guys were kind of forced into duty last year. Um, myself included, the, that learning on the fly kind of thing is, it's going to be priceless. And I think for the future, it's going to be something that we're going to be able to look back on and be like, well, man, we're now in the playoffs and, and hopefully on past that. And it's like, if we wouldn't have gone through that a year or so ago, it, it, the process might have been, might be delayed a little bit or might have been delayed a little bit. So I think just with growing as players and for myself, building relationships with pitchers and things like that, it's only going to help us in the future. And I think, obviously, I can't promise anything because we don't know what's going to happen But uh, with other teams, with our team, with anything. But I just think, I mean, it's definitely in the right direction. we got a lot of young talent that is going to help us um, add, add to the veteran talent that we already have, and I think it's going to be something that's going to really help us moving forward. What a great time we had at Reds Fest 2015. It was our first Reds Fest in which we recorded for the podcast, and overall, I think it went pretty well. 
All of our guests seem to be very agreeable to sitting down to chat and hang out with us, especially the guys on today's podcast. I couldn't be more grateful to everybody who helped make this year's Reds Fest experience one of my most favorite yet. Next time on the Better Off Red podcast, we'll make one more trip back to Reds Fest 2015 to talk to Reds manager Brian Price. Brian talks to us about 2015 and his expectations from the club this coming season. He offers a lot of interesting comments that I think you'll want to listen to. The music you heard on this episode was courtesy of my buddy Ramsey Midwood and his classic album, Shootout, at the OK Chinese Restaurant. All of Ramsey's albums are fantastic and they come highly recommended from yours truly. Head over to iTunes now and buy all of them. I'm sure he won't mind. Thank yous go out this week to the Cincinnati Reds, John Lamb, Kyle Waldrop, Corky Miller, Dimitri Young, Doug Flynn, Tucker Barnhart, and my pal Lisa Braun. A very special thanks to the best technical director in podcasting, Nick Prince, without whom this podcast would not exist. That's all from BOR headquarters. Thanks for joining us. I'm Jamie Ramsey. Expect good news. Jump down, turn around, pick a bill of tea. Look and look at yon, pick a bill of cotton. Look and look at yon, pick a bill of day. We jump down, turn around, pick a bill of cotton. Jump down, turn around, pick a bill of day. I'm going to go to Canada, pick a bill of cotton. Going to go to Canada. Pick a bill of day where you love look on a pick a bill of cotton. Look a look on a pick a bill of day. Me and my good gas on pick a bill of cotton. Me and my good gas on pick a bill of day. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team.